The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And welcome to the program. A big thank you to Chris Smith. It is hump day. We are halfway through the working week, and I'm particularly enjoying that because I'm going to have a week off next week. I'm heading up to the the Gold Coast with my son. We're going to do Wally World or whatever they call it up there. We're going to do all of those things, and uh, it'll be good to have a bit of a break. And uh, then, of course, I'll be returning the week after that, but certainly looking for a week off and away from the other things that I do. I actually quite enjoy doing this job. It's the other stuff I do I need a break from, so that will be absolutely terrific. Now, something I can never get enough of is people that tell Klaus Schwab to go and themselves, if you know what I'm saying. Craig Kelly put a video up and uh, not quite sure if it was real or not. I've watched it back to back about eight times, probably because I enjoyed it, not because it took me eight times to come to the conclusion it probably isn't real, but I don't think that's going to stop it from going viral, and it has. And I'll play you the audio from the clip, and don't worry, studio, I have uh, I have blipped it. I have put the beep over the uh, appropriate words, but uh, have a listen to this. And if you want to see the video version of this, of course, you can go onto the Craig Kelly uh, uh, Twitter page. And I appreciate the World Economic Forum providing me the opportunity to be on this stage and say, fuck you, Klaus Schwab, and fuck your new world order. We, the people, were born free. We will stay free. And you and all of your globalist friends, including everyone in this room, can go fuck yourself. And it, yeah, it, it looks quite authentic, but if you look at it very close, uh, I would suspect it isn't. And they're not likely to let somebody who's not one of their globalist puppets get on the stage, anybody who is likely to say that, because, of course, if you could get in via the back door, if you could do a bit of a Trojan horse, we'd have people in the Liberal and the Labor Party doing that to the duopoly. But no, we don't. They spot those people very early. They squeeze them out, Craig Kelly being one of those people. And uh, speaking of Craig, we'll try and get him on before the week's end, if we can as well. But I, I guess you got a bit of enjoyment out of just hearing that, whether Klaus Schwab heard that or not, uh, millions of people will assume that he did because it was a very well-made video, uh, even if it wasn't real. But it could it could be. But um, if you have a look at it yourself, you can decide. And I think it's a good idea to have a look at videos and establish the artifacts that make them real, not real. Little things like shadows, for example. Um, you know, there should be a, a shadow of a, a microphone, for example, coming from a certain direction, all those type of things. But you might want to have a look and see for yourself. Uh, Professor Edward, or Ted Steele, he's a molecular and a cellular immunolo- immunologist, a genetic, I'll start again, <laughs> a cellular, cellular Im- immunologist, a geneticist, and a microbiologist. He's the author of six books and over 100 uh, scientific research papers. We're going to be chatting with him today about the origins of COVID. Now, they wanted you to think it was a, a pangolin, not a penguin, a pangolin or some sort of, uh, you know, rodent, something, anything coming out of Wuhan, uh, the wet markets there, some saying out of the lab at Wuhan. Now, personally, I think there was no COVID. I think there was only ever the flu. There was a flawed PCR test to tell you you had COVID. There was a, a rather overactive media, more than happy to mislead you and scare you into fearing that if this PCR test, which of course, if you let it run enough cycles, could find uh, that a piece of fruit or a vegetable, and that they have, by the way, um, has COVID, 
Um, yeah, if you want to believe that, you can. I suspect most of you don't. But again, when you see the flu absent in numbers that were almost identical to the numbers that we used to um, have, you know, flu. So here's COVID, 80,000 cases, but we didn't have 80,000 cases of the flu this year. It was just rebadged. It was a rebadge job, if you will. That's what I think. But uh, Professor Edward Steele is going to give us his take on all of that. Uh, he'd have some evidence to back that up as well. So I'm looking forward to talking to him. And we're going to do Friday early. Your Fridays come early here at TNT. Omar Khan, who we normally talk to of a Friday afternoon, we'll be chatting with him today. He's got other things happening on Friday. So uh, we'll be doing that. Uh, some popular swimming spots. You're going to love this. In southwest Western Australia have been closed after, wait for it, a brain-eating amoeba, <laughs> you can't make this up, has been detected. Now, I thought turning on your TV had the same effect as uh, a brain-eating amoeba, and whilst apparently these things are not overly common, uh, they are likely to be fatal if you actually get one of these and you inhale them through your nose. Apparently, they go up into your brain. They cause a rare infection known as amoebic meningitis, so you don't want to get that. But of course, uh, I've never heard of this before, have you? But certainly uh, keep clear if you are in southwest, western Australia, look out because in weirs and certain pools and places, in fact, I'll even tell you where it's happening, the Shire of Harvey is where that's the Brunswick pool. Keep away from that and keep away from the TV and your brain and the chances of it being eaten away or eroded away over time shall be immensely Less one might imagine. Now, if you've got an EV, an electric vehicle, um, hopefully it's got a big boot. The Tesla truck would be terrific because you would have enough room to put a really large diesel generator in the back because you'll probably need one of those. But no, the equivalent of the NRMA, the, uh, what is it? The RAC, I think it is, over in, again, this is over in Perth, have got a whopping fleet of one, one singular vehicle who is out there waiting, just waiting on the side of the road for your electric vehicle to run out of charge as they will, uh, hoping that, or suspecting, I guess you could say, that you don't have a diesel or a petrol generator in the back of your electric vehicle, and they're going to be on the roads because they are telling you that it's very important that at the moment they're, we've doubled the sales in 2023 to 2022 of electric vehicles. They have gone from 3.1% to 7.2% of the markets, I'm guessing, oh, that's in Australia, by the way, not just in WA. But here's the big thing. If it wasn't for government incentives and subsidies, that wouldn't be the case. I can tell you for a fact that they're giving massive subsidies to companies to buy trucks and vehicles and uh, to change their commercial fleets to electric. They're even giving them money to put solar panels and batteries to charge them overnight. So this push for you to see highly visible electric vehicles on the road, your grandkids have paid for. It's not organic. It's not real. It's not something businesses decide to be real. But of course, if you're doing that for whatever reason, it's okay. The NRMA, the RAC and the RACV, they're all going to have you covered with a whopping one vehicle per, per place, or certainly that is the case for Perth. If you uh, break down, I say, get a diesel generator and strap it to the roof racks. That might be what you want to do. Now, did you know that there are many ways you can listen to or watch us here at TNT? So why not stream us directly from our website to your desktop, your tablet, or your mobile device? You can even download the app from the App Store. We stream live on YouTube, Rumble, and Odyssey, and we've got you covered here at today's News Talk TNT. The facts, no spin or agenda. Not 
Enough with the lies. We need the facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And welcome back to the program. I, I'm a bit of an entrepreneur. I've started not one, but two new businesses recently. I won't say what they are because they're a bit niche and they're making good money. And if you tell everyone what you're doing, other people go and do it. So if you want to make some money, find a niche business and do that. But uh, I would imagine I've got a couple of uh, good generators. I could whack them into the back of one of my high ace vans and just drive around and charge people up. What do you think, Gemma? Do you think I'd make, make a quid doing that? Yeah, I think you would. I think you would. Why not? I mean, yesterday you were going to get your pilot's license back and do the Rwanda deportations from the UK. And now you can solve all the EV problems. I mean, why not, Dean? Why not? I mean, we're taking the power into our own hands now, aren't we? The 99%. Go for it. Do it. What have you got to lose? If they can clone Dolly the sheep, why not me? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Cloning Dolly the sheep. I mean, we won't go into that. It happened years ago, but it was right by it's at, it's at the Institute of Rosslyn, uh, right by Rosslyn Chapel, a very esoteric part of the world where there's lots of energy and ley lines. You know, I'm into all the woo-woo stuff. But isn't yeah. it funny that they have a cloning center and a scientific research center right on a ley line by one of the most significant esoteric buildings in the world, Rosslyn Chapel? I mean, just a coincidence. Nothing to worry about, you know. Anyway, that's that's a whole another story. Whole another story. Well, who knows? I mean, that they could put Tinder out of business. Why? Why go and find a girlfriend when you can just copy one for yourself? Why not? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, that's the, the way we're boggles. heading. The it it, it could be. Yeah. I've, I've seen movies that you know, basically go and do things like that. But who knows how crazy the future is going to be? I mean, look at where we are today versus where we were 20 years ago. Things that we considered completely ludicrous are now part of our everyday life. So whilst we say that kind of stuff jokingly, honestly, who knows where we'll be in 10 or 20 years? It's very hard to say. Well, when it comes to the issue of cloning, there's all sorts of theories about clones, isn't there? And politicians and all kinds of things. I'm not going to get into it. It's a massive rabbit hole, but <clears throat> certainly been discussed in certain circles. And, uh, you know, once you start seeing it in the movies, it's probably already happened, hasn't it? True. They must have their inspiration from somewhere. But I mean, I think AI is one of those things. I mean, it really is scary. But if in the right hands, if uh, programmed with limits, it's going to be absolutely uh, something that could help you personally, but at what expense? I mean, my son was showing me today that if you want, um, say you wanted to start a business, have a logo designed, now you can just type in what you want to the AI. It's generated in a couple of seconds. Something you typically paid anything from five bucks on Fiverr to $5,000, or I've seen a, a, a bunch more, um, to some company to design you a logo from scratch. What if you could just tell a computer to do it? It generated 20 of these things in a matter of seconds, and you just got to pick pick one, and it wouldn't cost you hardly a penny. It really is frightening. How many people is it going to do out of a job? Oh, completely. I went <clears throat> I went to a talk last year, uh, and a man talking about AI, it was at the Glastonbury Symposium, a big alternative conference here in the UK. And the whole uh, keynote presentation on the Saturday morning was an hour-long uh, investigation into AI. And um, and and, and they, it made art, it had made poetry, just by putting a, key, a few key themes. And the artwork was really beautiful. I mean, you're like, blimey. You know, people say, oh, AI will never take away the human soul. Some of those artworks were very moving. You could not have told the difference. That's the sinister side of it. You just it's and it did it in a matter of seconds, just like what you said, created these amazing works of art just by typing a few words into the computer, pressing return into the program. Boom. It is a scary and frightening thing. And it's ahead of us. It is ahead of us. And it's soon it'll be way ahead of us. That's my personal opinion. Anyway, it is when it comes to abstract art. Um, 
Don't get me started. Whenever I, I've never quite understood abstract art, I have a look, and the only people who seem immensely um, interested in it seem to be other people who can't produce works of art that look almost, you know, photographic or which make, you know, emote you to really like them. Um, it's something I'll never quite understand, but I'm sure AI could probably do better than half the people sipping their lattes up in Newtown, uh, not up far from where I am at the moment. Anyway, Gemma, before I hijack you any further, what have you got for us uh, today? Well, this is a story that broke last year, but now it's been announced this morning that the FBI uh, are likely to be investigating this. And I don't know if this came across your radar, Dean, when it broke last year, but um, it's the former chief executive of Abercrombie & Fitch, you know, the, the clothing retail brand, uh, Mike Jeffries, who um, it was revealed uh, by an investigation actually done by the, the BBC, can you believe? I mean, you know. If if the allegations are true, he's not commented ever. He said uh, he's 79 years old now and he said he's not about to start commenting on his personal life. But the allegations are serious and serious enough now, I think, since they came to light for the FBI to say it's now interviewing people and issuing subpoenas, i.e. summons his witness statements to get some more evidence on this. And I'm bringing this story to the table because it's broken this morning. It's been revealed about the FBI, but it's got parallels, this story. with We talk about Epstein. We talk about all the people involved with Epstein. And this guy was the boss of a major corporation and he's been accused of uh, sex trafficking young men. He's been accused of exploiting and sexually abusing men at his homes in, in, in return for maybe the promise of work with Abercrombie and Fitch in the, in the early noughties when it was a huge, huge global brand uh, sold you know, very much on this preppy all-American teen sex appeal. So you had a lot of young men uh, going in and out of his properties. Uh, they invited young men to parties. Eight men have gone on the record and told their stories of what happened to them between 2009 and 2015. They said they were invited to events by the middleman, James Jacobson, who would then kind of audition them sexually to see if they were appropriate to go to parties where they then had to undergo further sexual acts, quite degrading. It's very sordid, some of this, actually, the allegations that have come to light. And they all had to sign NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. They said they had to do, they felt they had to do these things on the promise of work for Abercrombie and Fitch, which at that time was one of the biggest fashion brands and corporations in the world. They all said they felt degraded and psychologically harmed by their ordeals, and they went on the record last year. Um, Mike Jeffries, he's now 79 years old. He's never commented publicly, nor has his um, UK partner, Matthew Smith. Um, they've been accused of all of these things. And the most interesting thing, I think, is this sex trafficking operation. They're facing a civil claim saying they've been accused of sex trafficking. He says he won't um, ever comment on this. Abercrombie and Fitch say they are disgusted and appalled by his behaviour. Well, were they disgusted and appalled when he took it from a failing retail brand into a multi-billion dollar empire? I'm sure there must have been rumours circulating around about his behaviour during all those years. Now the allegations have come to light. Abercrombie and Fitch have said they're suspending part of his pension payments, which total a million dollars a year. How much in part? One dollar, two dollars, three dollars? You know, they haven't said how much they're suspending. But the FBI this morning has now said it's getting involved uh, with federal prosecutors uh, from East New York and FBI specialists who specialize in sex crimes and sex trafficking. But I just think it illustrates this story about all, you know, Epstein and all these people associated with him, like the former model boss, Jean-Luc Brunel, who allegedly hung himself in prison after being accused of trafficking girls for Epstein and raping underage girls in the modeling industry. It's not just isolated incidents. These corporations and the people who are in charge of them, they get away with impunity, exploitation, very often sexual and violent by the sounds of it, some of these allegations. Um, and it's, it's it's, it's a widespread pernicious thing at the top of corporations and industries 
worldwide. And if you're making money for these corporations and you're, and you're bringing in the and bringing in the buck, as it were, as Jean-Luc Brunel was in his modeling agency, nobody really complains. You know, it's only when allegations come to light that everyone goes, oh, we knew nothing about it. Oh, well, it's just a loan operator. No, I think this is the rot at the top of our society. And it'd be interesting to see if this man, Mike Jeffries, who's now nearly 80 years old, does face some kind of prosecution or justice for the victims. Yeah, it'd be nice uh, when you see these things happen again and again. It'd be very nice if they happened in a more timely fashion because by the time they catch up with a lot of these predators, and I am talking in general, um, it's, uh, you know, their lives almost over, even if you were to lock them up. I mean, what's it going to do? Would it be nice to catch them in their heyday when they were uh, a bit younger? But uh, certainly that'll be a story that we watch with, uh, um, yeah, we'll be hanging to see what happens with that, and hopefully it is a just outcome. Yeah, a just outcome. Well, the FBI, you know, I think you would like to think they're quite busy investigating stuff. So for them to say, right, we are going to look at this now, they clearly feel there's enough evidence to bring it to the table. And the fact they're bringing in specialists in sex crimes and trafficking shows that maybe this was a whole wider operation within the fashion industry. It'd be interesting to see what comes out. You know, we've got a former model boss being associated with Epstein. Maybe Mike Jeffries was associated with Epstein. We don't know. We don't know. This is speculation on my part, but it's all a big web at the top, isn't it? And they're all linked together. So let's see what comes out with this. It certainly is a very tangled web that they weave at the top and uh, top end of society, you know, behind the black curtain, if you will. Gemma Cooper, thank you. You'll be back next hour here at TNT and joining us on my program tomorrow, uh, about 10 minutes before right now. Gemma Cooper, thank you. Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking to Professor Edward Steele. He's a molecular and a cellular immunologist, a geneticist, a microbiologist, author of six books, and he's going to tell us what he believes are the origins of uh, of the uh, COVID virus and uh, a whole bunch more about what happened in that Wuhan lab. If it's true or not, we'll find out on the other side of this. TNT's Steve Malzberg. If a president could be prosecuted for things he did, which he believed and was advised by his lawyers, what, what was was the duty of the president to do. And then after the fact, after he's president, he could be prosecuted. The example has come up today many times. Well, when Joe Biden leaves office, he could be prosecuted for not securing the border. Barack Obama um, okayed drone strikes against American citizens overseas. He could be prosecuted for murder. I mean, this opens up a whole can of worms. Um, Pandora's box, I think, is the term that uh, that Trump used. Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk TNT. I said, could she die? And the doctor said she could. It was so scary. When I started clawing at my neck and trying to breathe and I thought, no, what are we going to do if I die here? <laughs> How's everyone going to go on? When someone's gravely sick or injured in the bush, they rely on the Royal Flying Doctor service. But now the Flying Doctor needs your help to fund vital medical equipment and supplies. Please search Flying Doctor online to give a regular gift of just $10. You can help equip the Flying Doctor's teams to respond to any emergency anywhere. Search Flying Doctor online. Become a part of the Royal Flying Doctor service and help save lives in the bush. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. And welcome back to the program. I'm going to read this whole bio because it is that impressive. 
Um, I think I need to. Professor Edward J. or Ted Steele is a molecular and a cellular immunologist, a geneticist, a microbiologist. He's the author of six books, over 100 scientific research papers. He conducted research and taught at the Australian National University's John Curtin School of Medicine uh, Research and worked at the University of Toronto uh, in their Cancer Institute there. Uh, the Wellcome Trust in the UK and the University of Wollongong, Professor Steele is a C.Y. O'Connor Foundation Life Fellow and a terrific fellow in general. And we've got him on the program. Uh, Ted, how are you going? Good afternoon, Dean. How are you? Yes. Mate, Excellent. Thank you for coming on. Before we even start this, I've got to ask this. The media like to push this virus as a weaponized virus. They like to push that. I've got to ask this question. If a virus that, from the information that I have, and you would have a lot more, obviously, than I do, um, is that it basically killed people who were older than the average life expectancy, those who had three or more comorbidities, or those who underwent unnecessary um procedures in hospital, let's say. Apart from that, nobody else seemed to die. So is the term weaponized virus, is that is that in any way accurate? Well, I'm glad you've raised that as the first point because that's I had that on my list to say first up without even realizing you're going to do it. Because yeah, why have a why make the common cold a bioweapon that literally is only dangerous for the really elderly, infirmed, immune defenseless people anyway? Look, it's uh and even then, we're not sure whether it was that virus or something else that, you know, led to the death of the person. So uh, it, it is really quite extraordinary what's been going on. There's no question. So those who are talking about uh, Wuhan lab leak of weaponized and all that, I've also got to keep that in perspective. Why would you want to accidentally or deliberately release the common cold on the world? I, I simply, that doesn't, that's the first thing that doesn't, that's never made sense to me anyway, over the Wuhan lab leak theory. Go on. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because, I mean, the whole thing, nothing about it made sense. That's why I guess so many people, um, you know, uh, they described many of us as paranoid. I don't think it was paranoid. I thought it was uh, a very informed decision yes. that many of us made, a very healthy awareness of the fact that something wasn't quite right, the disproportionate push uh, by the media to have this thing corrected by a new experimental vaccine. Nothing about this made sense at all. Yes, I would love right. to know what your theory is about the origins of this particular uh, illness. Right. I well, look, thanks for that. It'll take me a few, a few minutes. But the reason I suppose I'm on today, it started, it started over the last few days with these wild things circulating again. Uh, it's to do with the, you know, congressional investigations into whether the Wuhan lab leak occurred, Anthony Fauci, all that sort of stuff through Senator Rand, Rand Paul. And, and, and the fact that all of those that want to believe a Wuhan lab leak theory keep pushing gain of function research and the fact that the virus has all these unusual, you know, crazy features, sequence features, which make it virulent, uh, and uh, and 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 you know to cap that off. And this is what comes up all the time, which I'd like to knock on the head today if I could. Um, it's this, and. Uh, you know, this is the claim. This is a typical claim. This is, this was on X circulating widely yesterday. The, the COVID virus contains Chinese ch chunks of DNA that match exactly the sequence patented by Moderna three years before the pandemic began. And there's a one in three trillion chance of COVID developing the code naturally. Okay, so that's the claim. The variations of that, you know, this is the gain of function stuff that's been put into the virus, you know, deliberately at, in a Wuhan lab. Um, and the third thing, ergo, this is part of a you know some sort of planned pandemic or a pandemic. So it's a 
it's human engineered, okay? So this is the sort of evidence that crops up. Now, they've been taking Anthony Fauci apart for good reason, because he is a bit of a flip-flopping liar. You know, he runs with the foxes and hunts with the hounds. But he actually resisted them on this because he could see, like all the experts that have any knowledge of microbiology, virology, molecular biology, across the microbiome and the, vi and the virome, that these sort of features in viruses and bacteria and the human genome are very common. They're widespread features, which are quite striking what to, you know, to a neophyte coming into the field for the first time. But anyone that's you know, got the sweep of knowledge about the evolutionary you know, comparison of all the different sequences of viruses and bacteria and the human genome can see that these are very common features. There's nothing unusual about it. They're naturally occurring features. So that's why that's why that group, which is you know, Professor Ed, Ed, Ed Holmes in Australia, Professor Andrew Ramboke in Scotland, uh, Professor Kirsten Anderson and Dr Anthony Fauci, all, all insist it's natural. But the issue is, where did it come from? Was it, you know, was it an animal jump? You know, the bat soup theory in, in Wuhan, in Wuhan wet market and so forth. Or was it was it deliberately uh, released? And this is beginning, of course, the first one we made. Well, it's just a crazy bioweapon for a start. But anyway, let's put that to a side. Anyway, so the first point I want to make is this is not significant information, right? It can't be used as an argument. And that, that leads me to the next point. This, this is really important because all the people that are advocating this, and they're notable scientists in Australia, like Dr. Philip Altman, uh, lesser known, but also pretty vociferous, is Dr. Jeff Payne, and, 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 and quite a lot of other prominent people um, come up with this, you know, manipulation, gain of function. There's evidence that it really was human engineered and it's not naturally emerging. But it's a real red herring. That's what I've got to try and point out to you. That these features are so common, you know, across the microbiome. Let me explain what a red herring is because it really upset all my opponents when I, when I throw that in, in their lap. It is a real red herring because let's, let's, let, let's get clear what a red herring is. It's an interesting but irrelevant fact. Now, what do I mean by that? In the world of knowledge, and if you're a scientist and you've got a, a, you know, a range of facts and there's all the facts in the world, then there are the relevant facts. And then in the relevant facts, there are interesting facts that are not really relevant to the problem you're trying to solve, artifacts, and um, you know, false data. So when you're, as a scientist, you've got to have this filter when you're dealing with anything like this. And that's unfortunately a red herring because it doesn't explain all of the in incredibly interesting features that unfolded during COVID. For example, it was never person-to-person -person sp uh, spread as the primary infective mechanism. And if gain of function was the argument, because that's what they were trying to do with gain of function, to make it more effective so it first spreads person-to-person. -person. But that that didn't happen during the pandemic. Now, there's a lot of, I've got a lot of arguments, sorry, a lot of data to show that didn't. But here in Australia, we could see that with very small, uh, ep, you know, explosive ep epidemics in uh, Victoria, where, you know, the government by mandate insisted everyone get, you know, got tested. And they were tracking, you know, uh, you know, the origin of each patient, you know, to get patient X real, real assiduously and really conscientiously. And there were so many mystery cases. That is, there were, there were cases propping up in the community where they could never work out where that person got it from. Now, this is an example to me of that, ha that happened all over the world, by the way, just so we could see it in high definition Victoria because of Daniel Andrews' laws. <laughs> That's the main reason. And, uh, the, and uh, it's clear that what, what was happening, just cutting to the chase, is we had a heavily contaminated environment and the virus coming in from the air you know, contaminating the environment, hapless, you know, 
individuals rubbing up against the virus, touching their nose, their mouth, and bingo, they get infected, okay? Because they're putting trillions apart. By the way, we're talking about trillions of particles just by rubbing your hand across the, you know, an infected surface. You've got to get these numbers clear in your head. We're not talking about a small number in any infective dose, but we're talking about millions in an infective dose. So, so that's the, so. Look, I want to make that point clear that it's the contaminated environment, and I'll, I'll come to you know my preferred explanation in a minute for that. How the environment got contaminated in waves around the world in a serial, you know, serological. Yeah, sorry, a serial a form from uh, twenty twenty or twenty uh, uh, two thousand nineteen. But let's get back to the patented sequences. Big Pharma and all the labs developing all sorts of medicines and vaccines, particularly vaccines, and in the you know infectious disease zone, where they're having to deal with you know genomic sequences of viruses and bacteria, they've been patenting sequences like this for years, years and years and years. And furthermore, in the case of COVID, the coronavirus pandemic of 2002-2003, which also emerged in China. That, that had a lot of that has a lot of features that are the same secret that are, are, are COVID. So when because they'd already knew a lot of the sequence landscape of the of the coronavirus from that particular pandemic, they had lots of analytics. They had PCR tests. They had sequencing. Everything ready to go. And of course, when it happened, when there was something spreading in China in, in November, they got onto it straight away because they already had all the techniques ready. Now. The people that wanted to push a vaccine, of course, they couldn't believe their luck. See, it was totally opportunistic uh, on the part of Big Pharma, but they saw immediately that they had they had the beginnings here of a real pandemic because it was happening in China and spreading, appeared, appeared to be spreading, but if it wasn't spreading person to person, it was a contaminated environment. But the point was that this was a huge opportunity for Big Pharma. That's the main point I want to make. So everything after that was... a you know, a stampede, a fear-mongering, propaganda. They got every government in the world to insist on vaccination. It was just enormous. Uh, it was enormous killing for them, <laughs> literally, uh, because they, they could push this stuff out. And by the way, because they're not obliged to, you know, test for safety any of their vaccines anymore, this was by, unfortunately, Ronald, Ronald Reagan lifted that requirement from Big Pharma in the mid-1980s. They can, they, can, they can push anything on the public now, whatever it does. And we know with, with the COVID-19 mRNA, that, that had an adverse event rate 20, 30, 40 times higher than all other vaccines in the last 25 years put, to, put together. So everything was just completely, a, a complete disaster with COVID. Everyone knows it. But on origins, we've got to get it clear. Yeah, Ted, hold, hold it's that a natural thought. phenomenon. It's a natural phenomenon. Ted, hold that thought. We have to do a very quick news headline and then we'll come back and I'd love to hear the, the, the rest of it after that. Everybody, I'm with Professor Ted J. Still or Edward J. Still. We'll be back at TNT right after this very short break. Hear about it. We're depending on our congressmen. Talk about it. The people have to stand up and say enough. Now, TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. After pulling out of the race for the Republican presidential nomination, Vivek Ramaswamy has appeared on stage with Donald Trump, where he endorsed the ex-commander-in-chief as president. India has raised grave concerns with Iran over increased attacks on cargo ships in the Red Sea, and birth rates have fallen to their lowest level in France since the end of the Second World War. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
and we're back with Professor Edward J. Still, we've got a caller, and he wants to ask uh, uh, Ted a question. Uh, go ahead, Ed, go ahead, Siv. Yeah, good day, good day, Dean. Um, uh, Professor, I'd like to ask you this question: If COVID nineteen simply is just the common cold, or just the flu, or whatever it is, and some people get it worse than others, uh, as happens with colds and flus. Why is it that governments felt it necessary to restrict movements and lock us down? <laughs> You're asking me a political question. I totally disagree with I know, all of that. But yeah. was that based uh, well, on any kind of scientific well, reason? Well, well, look, let's take our time. Let's take, if we go back to that period, that's why I mentioned things like uh, stampedes. Remember the hysteria that was being whipped up in late uh, December? Uh, well, early, particularly early January 2020, there was hysteria being up. There was fear being whipped up. There was, uh, you know, a real stampede was unleashed. And stampedes are a real biological phenomenon, as we know from the stampedes across the plains of Africa, you know, on, on the David Attenborough shows. You know, stampedes can involve just fear and the whole thousands of animals all you know, thundering along together and it could go anywhere. If it goes into a river with crocodiles, it'll end in disaster with crocodiles. If, if they go over a cliff, they... In, in, so stampedes were terrible. Big farmer... I'm sure, were opportunistic, guided it, and were also controlling governments through their, the corruption network. So that's the only, that's the simplest explanation for what happened. And they forced everyone by mandate to have this stuff because there were trillions of dollars at stake, you know, on a global rollout of, of these vaccines, in, in, you know, millions of dollars in, in profits. So, sorry, I'll just get rid of that. Yeah. All right, Siv, hopefully that answers Siv's question. I've got a question for you uh, as well, Professor, uh, and that is with all these companies, these different companies coming on board at the time, rushing to get this vaccine, and again, mm. I don't know if I like the word vaccine uh, with this mRNA, why did they almost, as if in lockstep with each other, all come forward with this mRNA technology rather than any kind of traditional uh, vaccine? Well, I can't answer that. I don't know, but they must have had it ready to go because they've been experimenting with things. You've got to understand Big Pharma, you know, the research labs are doing all sorts of things, but they thought this was a wonderful trick, right? But, of course, it's one of the most dangerous tricks you could pull on, on the body because, particularly as we know, you know, Robert Clancy, anyone else that's had any, um, you know, knowledge of, of, of this, if the mRNA at the site gets released from the site and starts spreading around the body, it can cause havoc. It gets into, you know, heart lining cells, into other tissues. You know, it can cause autoimmune disorders. And we know that, we know from rat studies uh, that, that, and I haven't got the reference with me right now, but all of that was clearly known in rats with these vaccines, and TGA approved it anyway. Yeah, it Look, really I, is. I can't answer the question of how, why That's... they succeeded. But, yeah, yeah. But they I, did. I, I, yeah, I, I thought you, you might have a theory on it because, mate, you know, I, I love what you say. Um, uh, Ted, if you've got anything else, you've got about three minutes, mate, if, if you want to... Right, well, I've really got to talk yeah, about where yep. we think it came from. How did yep. the environments get so heavily contaminated in waves and explosive epidemics? You know, they were occurring all over. Now, we've, we've published extensively on that. So it's at my website at uh, um, independent.edu or academia.edu, Edward J. Steele. But the point is we've published extensively on that throughout the pandemic. So I'm not just talking off off the top of my head or through my hat here. We've, everything I say is backed up by a paper or analysis or data that we've published. And uh, the heavily contaminated environments, the most likely, the most likely explanation is, is that fits all the current data, all the uh, observations, you know, the historical data as well, the Spanish flu, uh, 
that is epidemiological, origin and timing, um, October 2019, that's when we think it first arose, genetic, virological, immunologic, is that it came through a life-bearing, I know this shocks people, life-bearing carbonaceous meteorite that struck over China, northeast China, on the night of October the 11th, 2019. Now, I don't have time to fully explain it, but I, I can advise listeners to go to the Brewster Tories uh, World Agenda Show of December 3, last year, about a month ago, where I gave a full hour's explanation of it. But it's all there at, at our website. So environments get heavily contaminated with viral Latin meteorite dusk. I, don't, I know people have a lot of questions. How the hell did that get through the, you know, the fireball barrier? Well, let me just say, just the answer that first, because that's what stops most people. As the meteorite's plunging in at great speed, it's fragmenting and releasing you know, viral Latin dust. And then, and then it gets the you know the iron and the granite rocks and explodes. That's what you see. But that's that's kilometres ahead of, of the dust, which has already been limited, uh, liberated and floats down gently. So it's a contaminated environment. That's how, that explains all of the epidemiology around the world, all of it. Now, even when it appeared to be person to person, as it was in aged care and nursing facilities, you know, there we have a contaminated environment as well. We have you know really old people just. Replicating the virus to trillions of particles contaminating the environment. So anyone that came into those those facilities, you know, picked it up from surfaces. So that's all I want to say. It's the it's a that's the simplest explanation that explains all the epidemiology, virology, and genetics of this of this uh, pan pandemic that it came from space as a on a carbonaceous meteorite. That's all. It's all there published and go to Brewster Torres on TNT December three last year. And you'll, you you can listen to an hour where we go through this with less uh, you know less pressure on time. Yes, Dean, that's it. Yeah, I, I I love that theory, and it explains the the spreads that couldn't be explained. Really makes a mockery of the masks too. Yeah, oh, that's, well. that's right. Because even if you had an arbiter's coming out of the air, then you take your <laughs> mask off, you then you then put your finger in your nose. <laughs> it, it was <laughs> all around us. But on ships at sea, why why were ships at sea? But they, they were the, why are they the main targets? Because they were getting struck by these dust clouds at sea. It, it, it makes more sense than anything I've I've heard, mate. So uh, I, I love it. Professor Edward J. Still, yeah. always appreciate your time, mate. Thank you very much Thank for you, coming man. on the program. Thank you now, very much, Neen, yeah. And, of course, people, you can find him online. Uh, one of those uh, with just a quick Google of Professor Edward J. Still will find him or independent.academia.eu forward slash Edward J. Still with an E on the end. Uh, we're going to do a quick break and then we're going to be back. You're going to think it's Friday. Because Omar, see, it's not, it's hump day. And we're going to be talking to Omar Khan. Stick around. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association. Their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future, 
with nutritious food to eat. A chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more, so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. Talking about issues and coming up with solutions. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. My next guest is my regular Friday guest, but uh, he's got something to do on Friday. So we've moved him up. It's hump day. It is our special time that we spend with Omar Akami. Uh, Akami is a global consultant. He's advised clients on pretty much any continent that is worth mentioning. He's a terrific fella and across everything you can imagine. Welcome to the program uh, again, Omar Khan. Great to be here. As long as we're here sometime during the week, it's a good week. As long as it happens, mate, I'm happy. Now, I want to start off with, if you don't mind, um, sure. Iowa. Donald Trump off to a terrific start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, everybody predicted he was going to win. Uh, the question was, by how much? It really does. He's hit the ground running. He's got it over, I think, just over or close to 50% of the vote. Uh, of course, we've got Nikki Haley. I was a bit worried about Nikki Haley coming second. Didn't happen. Came third. Ron DeSantis in second place. Iowa, obviously, a bit more switched on than a lot of the other states there. Of course, they don't have a huge number of the total votes needed. But, wow, what a terrific start he's off to. Yeah, I mean, there are a number of uh, interesting elements. First is JFK's old point that history is made by those who show up. Uh, <laughs> about 7.9% 7, 7 of the voters showed up, uh, who've, and they voted almost, uh, I mean, 7.9% voted for Trump. And that gave him an overwhelming victory. So that, that shows you that, you know, getting the passion of people to actually turn out is a big part of what we're competing for here. Um, I think the rest of the field is vacuous. I mean, DeSantis has some substance, but Nikki Haley doesn't, I mean, can't find Ukraine on a map. Um, the, um, so, um, I think that's, you know, that that's just... Uh, bread and circuses. Vivek uh, did a classy thing um, in withdrawing with dignity and then saying that he was going to endorse uh, Donald Trump. He's shown up in New Hampshire. And if you haven't seen Vivek's New Hampshire speech nominating or endorsing rather, not nominating, endorsing Donald Trump, please have a listen. It's fantastic. It's statesmanlike stuff. Uh, Donald was very gracious, says he's going to be working with us, and he'd be crazy not to have the guy working with him. Uh, I mean, because he's youth, uh, he's diversity in the best sense of diversity, um, where it's a meritocratic diversity, uh, not, not some kind of quota filling. And that guy's very likely going to be president in 2028, frankly. If he hangs on to, you know, Trump, maybe he gets a VP nod, maybe he comes in, says Secretary of State, something else. So there's some interesting dynamics there. A, a very smart move by him, and I, I tend to agree. Um, I see him in the office at some point. He ticks all the boxes. He's, he seems fair, Nicky. He doesn't seem like he's got any kind of hidden agenda. And knowing when 
to uh, step aside and support somebody rather than try and run against them when it's way too early. A very clever man, a guy who thinks eight moves ahead, and that's the type of person that we need in the Oval Office at some point and, in the future. And he has greater emotional intelligence than our friend Trump. Trump I have was no baited. Doubt of that. Well, yeah. it's easily achieved. Um, Trump was baited into making um, comments about Vivek. Vivek didn't take the bait. He said, listen, uh, it's a competition. He's allowed to say what he wants. I'm not going to uh, get into that. Um, you know, I endorse him. Uh, by and large, I'm competing for myself. And then when the time came, he said, no, I'm, that's fine. I'm ready to. Uh, he said, you know, this is too important. We have to get the country back. Um, we need to get our constitution enshrined. Um, and as you rightly said, he said, there is a truth to be told. For example, he said, there are two genders. A border that people can cross porously is not a border. And on and on he went. And uh, the, the Trump crowd ate it up. They lapped it up like mother's milk. Because he is the coherence the Trump voter is sometimes denied by the candidate. The candidate is iconic. He represents something. But if you take a look at it, here's what it says about the United States that the man who wins big in Iowa is a man with several felonies, and that is not considered by the American populace to be a disqualifier. In fact, maybe an asset because of their distrust of the American justice system yep. and the way it's been weaponized for political purposes. Right. So and that's not been a disqualifier. If anything, it's been a rallying cry. Yeah, I, I love that. I, would you agree with me? I love that in America, see, people that that don't have compulsory voting say they wish they had it and vice versa. We have compulsory voting here. I love that the Americans don't because only the passionate people tend to go and vote. You could argue that also means, you know, the, the far left as well. But I mean, because of all the injustice that we've seen, everything from the, you know, what happened on January 6th to what they're doing to Trump right now. I mean, all of it, the, the voting that I think has been rigged, it is really ramping up people from the right side of politics and that they are not going to miss the opportunity to vote at this upcoming election. And even if they were to try and rig the vote, there will be so many legitimate votes for the conservative side of the equation. I don't think they'll, they'll be able to come up with enough fake votes to counter it. Well, you see, here's the thing. And I don't even think, you know, it is the conservative viewpoint for sure. But it's not even the conservative viewpoint. I mean, I think if you had Robert Kennedy up and running, if anybody would let him through, I mean, you'd have a real horse race. Yeah. He's highly popular. And irrespective of all the disquiet you and I may have about some of his policies, he's what they used to call a real ban. You can't say these things today. I mean, uh, the woke witches come and get you. Uh, but I mean, I would say a real woman, real man, whatever. But he is a man's man in the sense that he's a genuine article. He stands for something. Uh, he I, says truth to power. I, I, I and agree. You can he's respect someone I like that, Even much. if you disagree with him. You know, even yeah. if you disagree with him, you can respect him. In the way that Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill could still work together, though they, you know, they despised each other's viewpoints, but the government still ran. Right. And um, those were the days where their aides used to still have burgers and beer together. Today, <laughs> yeah. if they were if the two sides of the aisle were seen just hanging out together, it would be considered disloyal. 
would be considered a betrayal. And they don't realize that they're the ones betraying America's founding principles, where George Washington's cabinet had both Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson on it. I've got to ask you to either predict or speculate at this point. Um, I'm guessing we'll both probably agree that, that Trump will probably be the one who goes through as number one. Who do you think his running mate will be, should that be the case at this uh, upcoming election? Uh, well, you know, I can only hope that he's wise and he doesn't do another Mike Pence on us. Uh, oh, I mean, where he found that baboon. Um, so we have to really hope that he goes for a Vivek. You know, um, would a DeSantis come on board with him? I don't know. Uh, would he want him to? Maybe. But that would those would be gutsy moves in the way of Lincoln saying, I have, you know, a team of rivals making up my cabinet. I mean, th this guy should do what he didn't do last time. His cabinet should not be full of people with the last name Trump uh, or Trump hanger-ons, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, and ass kissers and ass lickers. He should assemble a real... Uh, talent pool so that nobody could crib. I mean, why not get Jeffrey Sachs uh, as the, the, you know, the, the department, the deputy, um, you know, with well, the head of the, say, the Fed or er eradicate the Fed, have Jeffrey Sachs come uh, and be your chief economist. Why not have another Scott Atlas type or Scott Atlas, you know, back uh, in, in the public health role? You know, why not have somebody like a Vivek as Secretary of State? You know what I mean? I mean, it doesn't have to be. There are others. There are other credible people. Right, he but could people assemble, of that ilk, yeah. He could assemble and that would, conservative it, dream team. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to even have a couple of non-conservatives on there? I mean, as Lincoln did, I mean, people who aren't mad, I mean, but people who have uh, differing viewpoints, uh, just so nobody feels excluded and because you want to hear the other side, and whenever there's a rational point on the other side, you want to be able to address it under and, the conservative tent. And, of course, bringing Kennedy onto his team would establish that just that and drag with him a bunch of people formerly of the left. I, I would assume that would oh, happen I as think well. It would be a magnificent. It would be a magnificent gesture. And, you know, it would take away from the Rachel Maddow, uh, the weeping <laughs> MSNBC <laughs> yes contingent about, oh, Trump, he's coming and stealing our liberties, because the, the dream team would silence that. They would take the fire because they know that Trump is an elderly icon. He's still magnetic, but it's not about him anymore. I mean, this is not Donald Trump at the age of 60 yeah. uh, or something like that, right? I mean, um, this is Donald Trump. I mean, you'd say he's slightly doddering, except for the fact that he's lined up against Biden. So, you know, I mean, he seems like a wellspring of vitality. He does. Mate, you've only got to be better than your competitor, don't you? To look fantastic. Yeah. Uh, mate, lots more happening in the world, mate. The pandemic litmus test, as you refer to it. Yeah. Uh, so I was uh, having, a, I was talking to Nick Hudson uh, yesterday. Uh, we were just catching up after the new year. This is the, the head of Panda, well-known speaker. Uh, and we were just chatting about the fact that we need to stop talking about laboratory leak theories. I mean, like, who gives a shit at this point? Let's just admit there was massive. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just tired of hearing about it. I mean, and it's just there to distract everyone. Can we not just admit that a massive government fraud was perpetrated globally? And whether the damn thing came 
out of you know uh, a bat and a penguin having made it in a in a bathroom stall um, or whether it was manipulated um you know in 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 a lab it really doesn't matter what matters is that it wasn't a pandemic what matters is that any of the excess death pre-vaccine was caused by policy by lockdowns by people being driven to opiates by people being driven to overdoses to suicides that's what happened. This is not a story of a pandemic. This is a story of policy meltdown. And that's what I mean by the pandemic litmus test. And anybody who thinks we had a pandemic, anybody who thinks that was the issue, um, is cuckoo. I mean, I, I think it's an and if you, so one, if you're if you're not anti-lockdown, and if you're not anti-neurum, I mean the. the the abolition of Nuremberg, where you get stuffed full of shit that you don't yeah. want. And number three, when you realize what pandemic, they changed the definition, as you and I know. 2009, to yeah. Be, yeah. Simply because after swine flu, they realized they would just go with cases, cases determined by a fraudulent test, rather than actual fatalities. So now anything can be a pandemic. All you need to do is invent a test. Right. I mean, and everything's a pandemic. And there's an argument, I would say, that you have a scam, an obvious scam, and in lockdowns, a moral and economic obscenity. That's the story. It's not about lab leaks. It's probably also unlikely we're going to find a real uh, pathogen of the type just because um, there are scientists arguing, and I'll read uh, just one second. It says, we don't in our integrated world encounter pathogens that are novel in the sense of immune naivety because pathogens are related to one another. And around the world, we enjoy rich immune cross-reactivity from prior exposure to related endemic ones. That's why they find it so hard to even cook up a novel one in a lab. It's got to have a family resemblance to something. It does. Well, I've got to ask you, we've only got about a minute, um, and I'm hijacking you a little bit. It wasn't on our sure. list. There's all this talk of Wherever disease X at the moment. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's part. it just shows the scam. I mean, it's not a disease. They're saying there's likely to be one. <laughs> well, there wasn't one. So now because of somebody's fantasy foibles, how many angels can you know balance on the head of a pin might be as fascinating a diversion. And these buffoons are there in Davos saying that their canopy is rebuild trust. Rebuild trust? Uh, how do you rebuild trust when you haven't passed the sniff test? Yeah. On I anything. don't think there was much to begin with, yeah. I mean, uh, and the fact is that, oh, well, we're going to hand over to this cabal who failed us so disastrously last time the right to abridge our liberties over something that doesn't exist, but we think should exist. And um, I think the biggest thing is people are getting to the point where, you know, you look at the Dutch farmers, you look at the German farmers, now the German trains, and nobody's covering it. And they won't, they won't be uh, deterred. I think people are getting to that point where civil disobedience is going to become a little less civil. Mate, you know what, you know, I shouldn't, I mean, not that we should advocate for that, but I mean, if it does get to that, let's face it, the politicians and the media have brought that on themselves. I think that would be fair to say. Omar Khan, we have run out of time. 
I, I thank you as always. Looking forward to joining Pleasure. you next Friday. Uh, Omar will be back, mate. Thank you. And everybody, stick around. This is TNT and Sonia Poulton coming up on the other side of the news. We'll catch you tomorrow.